Greetings. Welcome back. You're listening to All Cooped Up Alaska. Today is April 13th, 2020, and I'm Katie Ryder, and we are going to continue on with part two of the Paul Claus interview. Now, Paul Claus is a bush pilot in Alaska, and a lot of his work has been uh, flying out scientists to do observations of uh, the changes in the environment. Now for a brief summary of the first episode, Paul Claus is the owner and operator of Ultimate Thule Lodge in the Wrangell-St. Elias uh, Mountains and is also uh, very active with flying scientists in and out of the field. Also, he is an observer himself. While Paul may not have a PhD in glaciology, he has over 20 years uh, flying with scientists in the Wrangell-St. Elias as well as an area from uh, the Aleutian Islands all the way down to the lower British Columbia mountains and he is very keen on seeing the changes that he sees on his day-to-day flights. Here's what Paul has to say about that. I've been very blessed in the, you know, I'm, you're spot on, I'm not a scientist, but I am out there and observing and that's what science is, is observing what's going on. But I gotta reiterate, you know, I li- we live in such a in the mountain world anyway it's such a dynamic uh place it's changing all the time all aspects of it another example and it's not just glaciers um i was supporting a Knowles national outdoor leadership school group for some years there and they like to do these big epic hike climbs across long distances basically unsupported but they have gotten a little more modern and use an airplane for a reef supply and so I had landed some year. Um, I'd landed and resupplied them on the base of the base of this glacier. Um, and then the next year they wanted to get resupplied up on the ice field somewhere on ski you know, with a ski plane. That was a year later, and I'm flying by there, and I'm at ten thousand feet high, and I'm looking down, and um, I'm looking at the spot that I'd landed the year before, just out of casual curiosity. You know, I'm just like you would if you're I look down there and I can't see where I landed it doesn't look I just can't there's no place to land down there and I'm looking I'm quite high and I never didn't really you know just I thought it odd that I couldn't pick out the spot that I landed and I kept going and I landed and dropped off my thing came back home and later that day the park service called us up and they said did you have you guys seen the, the, the huge mountain collapse and I said, no, in, in the West Fork of the Nazina Valley. And I said, man, I just flew over the West Fork of the Nazina Valley. I didn't notice anything. They said, well, yeah, it was a huge catastrophic collapse there. And they knew it from seismic stuff that had gone off. And so I went back and looked at that, and it was in the same place. Well, this whole, it was so, what had happened is about 10 miles of a mountain had collapsed and gone down across this valley and out across the glacier. Well, it completely covered up While one of Paul's main roles is transporting people in the mountains and taking them to their areas of study, his observations are also valued to them, and sometimes the folks at NASA know that he has that day-to-day accessibility, and if they see something going on on seismic meters in their offices, they give him a call and say, hey, what you doing? Do you want to go check something out? We're curious of what's going on in this area. Here's what Paul has to say about that. Uh, oftentimes we'll get called from that because we work with NASA, so they'll 
see something on a satellite image or something from the um, the seismic stations that are all over the place um, and tell us to go look. And one time they said, yeah, we, there's something registered as like a five-something earthquake, but because of the sine waves, we know it's not an earthquake. We think it's mountain collapse, so it's near Mount Miller. Would you go look? So, of course, we hop in the plane immediately and go over there, and where the, the dust was still settling, it was a whole top part of the, the upper part, the top of the mountain, the Mount Miller collapsed, and it went, fell about 8,000 vertical feet down and went out eight horizontal miles. And it was, it was here I was able to get to see that from a bird's eye view as it was still rumbling, basically. So it was really, really neat. What makes this story interesting to me is how professionals played uh, different roles. And we have Paul Claus, who is a professional bush pilot with great abilities to land in unique places that no one else would even think of. He works with other people that are uh, incredibly talented in their area of expertise, such as uh, the Ice Corps guru, Lonnie Thompson. Now, Paul also gets out into the field with these specialists and they are both there together, you know, out in the field sometimes for a period of time. A pilot might get weathered in with the group and he has time to hang out at their camp and see what's going on. In the studies of glaciers, scientists go up and drill ice core samples. Here is an example of what Paul is observing of what he has seen out of the ice core samples. Uh, in that, you've seen all these layers, these multiple layers, all along, all the, all you know, all the way up through there. You see these layers. That each storm cycle would would leave a layer. Well, there's many, many, many layers in there in one year. So if Lonnie Thompson is calling each one of these layers line peaks a year, I'm disagreeing with that. I'm saying it's just one storm cycle. If you can imagine, there's plenty of time with uh, some of these long-time relationships that Paul has with these scientists of talking about the science that they're studying while they're flying back and forth to these destinations. And not always do they agree, and this is an example of Paul's observations of the amount of snowfall throughout a year being comparable to more lines that he'd seen in the ice cores, and he was arguing that the lines weren't year cycles, but more or less storm cycles. Now there are reasons that pilots stick to the piloting part of their jobs and that scientists stick to the writing of papers and publishing papers on specifics that they've studied over careers sometimes. Wouldn't it be interesting to see a pilot's day-to-day -day weather observations and how those might compare to what PhD scientists are finding in their observations in the field? One last thought is what are some of the weather observations of thunderstorms in Alaska that you've seen, Paul? Yeah, I guess last year, you know, here around the Anchorage area was not, uh, was a lot and, and caused a lot of fires. But uh, out our way, we almost never get any thunder uh, or lightning. Uh, in my lifetime, actually, there's only been one forest fire in the entire Chittenden River Valley, so. As you know it, Alaska is a huge state, and there's a lot of different things going on in different parts of the state, and we appreciate all the input from today's speaker, Paul Claus. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for all listening to All Cooped Up Alaska, and I'm Katie Wright.